state of the American League Central on Tuesday, June 28th. Jack McMullen with uh, Utility Man. What would you consider yourself? The Santiago Espinal of State of the Division, Clay Snowden? I would like to be the Ryan Friel of State of the Division. Oh, my Old God. Old Reds name, name. Ryan Friel, you said? Yeah, third base, second base, outfield. I mean, he played all over. Scrappy guy. Wasn't that great, but everyone loved him. That's me. He was a career 268 hitter with a 723 OPS. Yeah, he, he was not that great of a player, but everyone loved him. He's a career eight. He, he, no, you know what? He's a career nine war guy. I'll give that to you. You're a nine war host. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm in. All right. Um, that was your NL Central fix. You're going to be on the NL Central. That's your typical show, but you were on what? The AL East. Uh, you're on the AL Central today. I was on NL East, um, I believe, last Thursday yeah. with Ryan Finkelstein. And then you're going to be on NL Central like typical. Right. Holy smokes. All right. Uh, I see your whiteboard message for the group on YouTube. So uh, the White Sox cooked. Yeah, I think I'm with you, actually. We're going to work through the division, Minnesota, Cleveland, the White Sox, Detroit, and Kansas City. Obviously, there's some news uh, in each of them, but the big news is the White Sox are absolutely cooked. However... We start with the Minnesota Twins and pitching coach Wes Johnson. That's what I want to talk about with the Twins. Because, yeah, like they're in first place. Yeah, Whoop-de-doo. The Minnesota Twins are leading the AL Central, the worst division in baseball. They're 41-33. and 33. That's eight games over 500. But Wes Johnson just left the Twins midseason to go take the pitching coach job at LSU. When you see that, do you say really weird or good for you? Well, I have literally no idea what to think about it because I was thinking, I was like, how is that? That doesn't seem like a career move most would make, right? You don't typically go from the highest level to college, um, especially when your team's in first place and whatnot. But I guess LSU is building something that we cannot compare to a typical college team. They're pulling in transfers from all over. Um, I mean, good for him. You At the end of the day, you get to move out of Minnesota and go somewhere where it's much warmer. So I, I guess I like the move. Yeah, I, I find it really interesting. And you're right. Like, usually it works forward like that. We saw Chris Fetter, who is the pitching coach for the Detroit Tigers. He made the move from being the pitching coach at Michigan to being the pitching coach for the Tigers. Um, but this guy, Wes Johnson, he was the pitching coach at Arkansas. The Twins pulled him from Arkansas. And now he's getting back to his college roots at LSU. And something that I want to point out, the highest level of college athletics you make a lot more money than the highest level of, you know, a, of course, minor league baseball, but I guarantee you Wes Johnson is making more money as the pitching coach for LSU than the pitching coach, of the Minnesota twins. You, you also don't have to do the entire season grind of the MLB. Like the, the everything about it is just a lot more, right? There's just yeah. so much more going on in the MLB in terms of your schedule. Um, the more I think about it, the more I'm about it. Like I, I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> twin it? to a tiger. How do you feel about that? Would you rather be a known as a twin or as a tiger? I don't know. It depends which tigers. I think I'd rather be an LSU tiger than a Detroit tiger. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, yeah. And actual I don't want to talk about twins. <laughs> <laughs> actual baseball side, though. Carlos Correa is heating up a little bit, which is important for them. And there's a reason that they are still in first place. And to be honest, like it isn't entirely about the pitching for the most part, it's been about the offense heating up 
and overcoming some injuries. And Carlos Correa actually looks like the guy that they signed to that massive one plus one plus one deal. Yeah. And even more important right now with with Royce Lewis out, like they don't have that, you know, high level backup right there when um, Correa originally went down. But you know how important he is to this team. He was brought into Minnesota to really prove that, you know, they're going after it this year. Yeah. He didn't get off to the best start, suffered an injury. Um, he's looking more like the player that they signed. There's just always going to be that looming question. Is he going to opt in or opt out? And I'm not, I'm not joking when I say this. Like when Royce Lewis was hitting well and healthy in the beginning of the year, I was kind of like, when are the Twins fans going to say like, wait up? Correa, like, we want you out. We want that money back for something else. And we want Royce Lewis at shortstop. Of course, he has since um, re-injured his knee. So, I mean, I, I assume he's going to opt in, opt out. I mean, what what do you think, Jack? I've got no – okay, what do you ha- say right now, this very moment, what's your gut telling you, in or out? In. My gut tells me in right now, too. Yeah. I, th- I think for that money – you're on a first place team. It, you know, it's not like he signed with the Tigers or the Cubs, like he was kind of at one point yeah. rumored. And you're seeing like, holy shit, this is going the wrong direction. I don't want my prime to be this. Like, hey, we're on a team with a lot of young talent, um, a team that's kind of still set for the future. I kind of like it here. Does he like it in Minneapolis? That's the big question. And and he does truthfully answer that. I don't know. I don't know anybody that truthfully does. Um, eight, let me tell you why Stephen Kwan is poised for a terrible month of July. You ready? I'm ready. In April, he hit 354, right? 15 games, he hit 354. He had an amazing start for the Cleveland Guardians. He then, in 21 games in May, hit a buck 73. In June, he's all the way back. 21 games in June, he's hitting 361. So that means even month voodoo, he's going to be hitting like a buck 50 in July. And then he's going to hit 450 in August. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly how these things work, especially with the huge sample size of three months. Yeah. Um, Stephen Kwan is such an interesting player. I remember when he first broke onto the scene, first two weeks, I think he was batting like 570. And like mm-hmm. everybody at just baseball was like, could not stop talking about him, like fantasy pickups and like, oh my God, how is this guy not top five in the? in the entire system and next thing you know it's like oh yeah he's like kind of getting a lot of time on the bench and he's like not really hitting and he still only has one home run this year I looked at his fantasy profile at the end of or I guess beginning of May or mid-May and it had like you know 16 RBI or whatever I just just remember seeing that and I checked last week and it's like 17 RBI I'm like has this guy like not done a thing in terms of just like production he's getting on base and hitting singles, but I mean, there's just no pop there. What is Stephen Kwan going to be, and how can he booster this lineup? Kwan is so fascinating to me because he's he's got a 405 OBP in June. He's got a 403 slugging in June. So uh, in 21 games, he has 26 hits. 24 of the 26 hits are singles, one double, one triple, no homers. I think that's so funny. Is he like one of those players that, will eventually, and you're going to hate when I say the same, Harold Castro. Is he the next Harold Castro where it's like, I'm going to just hit singles. How about Jonathan Daza? Like, I'm going to hit singles. My average will be high. The old school people people are going to love me. 
But at the end of the day, am I pretty replaceable? Is that going to be him, or does he have enough speed, glove? Like, what is Stephen Kwan? We'll see how many singles he hits, because if he hits 200 singles, then he's a 200-hit guy. Yeah. And you can't replace that. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what the batting average ends up at at the end of the year. But, I mean, with these two months, he's still only hitting 287. So I'm just, I'm cracking up because, uh, you know, I, I'm asking, does the power matter? And you went old school is like, Hey man, if he gets enough singles, it doesn't matter. What if he, he gets enough. I'm telling you, if he gets enough singles, it doesn't yeah. matter. But Nicky Lopez was like singles galore last year yeah. and he was still replaceable. Yeah, absolutely. So, and he hasn't well, looked that great this year. I mean, no, he looks terrible this year. We'll see what happens with Stephen Kwan. I find it really interesting though, because he is kind of embodying what Cleveland has gone through this year, where they looked really good in April, they sputtered like hell in May, and they looked down in the count in May. And then all of a sudden, every bat got good. And Andres Jimenez has kept it going. J-Ram is obviously having an incredible season. Oscar Gonzalez looks awesome in the month of June. And then you've got a guy like Quan who embodies all of it. So yes, you can circumvent Miles Straw not being able to hit shit right now, if you have eight other guys hitting, I think Cleveland is set up really well right now, actually. I, this may sound absurd, but Ahmed Rosario, when he's on that team's clicking, I'm not saying he's the, you know, straw that stirs the drink, but last se- season when he was going through those hot streaks, having multi-hit games back to back to back, that team was winning. He, he just puts the ball in play. Um, and he, he can at times be a zero in a lineup. Yeah. And right now he's hitting really well and actually playing, playing good baseball at shortstop. Yeah. No, I, I find him interesting. And I, I do think that he is one of the spark plugs there. Um, and I have no idea how they're going to go about it um, when Rokio is ready or when somebody like that is ready. White Sox are third in the division. They still can't hit. Um, hmm. Ineptitude is starting to seep through. And, you know, I, I feel like we're talking about it every single week. Tony LaRusa just like he, he keeps on shooting this team in the foot game after game after game. And to be totally honest, like the pitching has been pretty uninspiring. Obviously, Kopech had that good stretch, but, you know, Kopech, I don't want to say ho-hum, but he hasn't, you know, kept that form over his last couple of starts. Cease has looked great, but you know that the seven walk outing is coming again. Giolito has been underwhelming. Lance Lynn has been fine back from injury. I'm just really worried that this team is, is out of gas already. I'm watching the game. I believe it was last night. Um, is there, there's a ball hit to right field. Gavin Sheets is going back. Yes, you heard correctly. Gavin Sheets in right field. Yes. Hits <laughs> off his glove almost over the wall at the top of the wall for a double. And I looked immediately at all the players. And none of them really seemed to have emotion. It was kind of like, we're not mad at Gavin Sheets because he's really not a right fielder at the MLB level. And yeah, he misplayed the ball, but like, let's be honest, like he shouldn't really be out there. And it's all just coming back to Tony LaRusso. And I hate to just beat that dead horse over and over, but this team does not have anything going for them in terms of emotional, you know, they're, they're not playing with their emotions at all. It's kind of a tough watch, honestly. And I don't really know what the fix is. Do do they have to trade players away? Can they add? Do they have the farm system? I don't think so. I've got no idea what the fix is. I think you just have to let this roster ride and see what happens. But, I mean, you just lost three of four to Baltimore. 
at home. Good team. Yeah, I mean, they have a better record than the Chicago White Sox. They do. At this point, they have a better record than the White Sox. They just lost game one in L.A. last night. It was a tight loss, but still a 4-3 loss. They've got two more in L.A., then they've got three in San Francisco, and then they welcome in the Twins for three. This is a tough-ass stretch. We'll see what happens. I My biggest concern with the White Sox is all of these young players that they signed through through the arbitration years, we all had these high, high hopes for all of them. And a lot of them are either falling short or injured constantly. It just makes me question what their true ceiling can be, especially this year, but not only this year, moving forward into the future, if they're just continuing to get injured or falling short, it's, it's, it's a big concern in Chicago. What do you think it is? I'm curious. Like, what do you think their new ceiling is? Do you think it's content oh, for the World Series? No, not at all. I don't. And as they move forward, you have to make, you know, Tim Anderson's up. Is it after next year or after uh, this year? I think after this his, year. His contract's coming up. Um, you know, that's a good player who hits at the top of your lineup. Like, those are not easy things to replace. Um, Eloy Jimenez, how much can you really rely on him at this point? You can't. You cannot. Is, is he a DH only at this point? Like, you know, Moncada, like, there's more questions now than there's ever has been. And there were a hell of a lot of questions before the season with Tony La Russa there as well. Andrew Vaughn's a bright spot. I think he is going to be one of the better hitters in the league. That's great. What else can they rely on around him? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Tim Anderson, by the way, club option at 12 and a half for next year. Club option at 14 for the year after. So obviously they'll pick those up. Yeah. So, and then he hits the open market again in 2025 as a 32 year old. So he's going to be, you know, at a discount at that point. So, so TA is locked up, but I'm with you. You can't expect anything from Eloy. Um, injuries aside, I think the one big change, like it, it shouldn't be a trade. It shouldn't be anything on the field. It should be in the dugout. I think Jerry Reinsdorf needs to get off his high horse. needs to finally can Tony LaRussa and see what happens see if this team is galvanized so i've got no idea and i think that that should happen sooner rather than later detroit is finally starting to show something something spencer torkelson still looks bad which i don't get dude i i don't understand i thought he was a foolproof bust proof bat um and obviously he's gonna have a great career he's such a good hitter but he's hitting 169 in June and the, and the batting average as a whole looks terrible and the power has not been there. Good news for them is Riley Green's healthy and Javi Baez actually looks like he's a very solid hitter over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the Tigers were just about as bad as you could get on offense. And I think it's just one of those typical situations where some things start really slow and out of nowhere you're so far behind when your expectations were so much higher that sometimes it's just hard to mentally get there, right? You you expect to compete this year or at least push towards that direction. The next thing you know, you're out of it immediately almost. Everyone's struggling, bottom of the league and everything. Um, Javi bound, bouncing back and showing that he is not completely washed up and yeah. that contract has a little bit of life to it potentially is huge. But Jamer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, um, they, they're just not getting the production. And when you look at their team last year, when they had that strong run in the second half, it was Eric Haas, you know, kind of unsung heroes, kind of 
stepping up and playing well, they're just not getting that. You can't have Willie Castro, Harold Castro, and just a bunch of kind of random outfielders filling in, Daz Cameron, Victor Reyes, like Cody Clemens. There's just too much replacement on this team at this moment. It's it's so bad, dude. So, like, what what's the fix moving forward? Do you trade somebody away? Is it attack the free agent market again next year? What yeah, is it? I think, first off, not a ton of faith in the front office there to begin with. You don't like Alavila? No, not not particularly. Uh, interesting. Uh, I, I I think they have to go the free agent market. Um, they have some prospects that are interesting, still even with Green and Torque coming up. Yep. But you know, I always thought twenty twenty two would be kind of the first trend in the right direction, right? We saw glimpses last year, but we also expected a lot of these players to take a step this year. And the only one that has is Tarek Skubal, who's also been shelled his last three outings. Yes. So in reality, and it it should go of note, this is a great bullpen. The starting rotation is 100% injured besides Skubal. Yes. So that should be of note. When you lose that many starters, your plan is obviously going to change. It's led to some opportunities for, you know, Bo Brisky and some other young talents if I'm the Tigers, I have to add because right now I cannot afford to go in another direction besides. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm doing the Angels thing. I'm signing a bunch of players and just praying that it happens. Do you sign pitchers? Um, because, like, obviously Casey Mize is going to miss all this year. He might miss all the next year. You got to move off of Matt Manning at this point. Fiedo is probably not the guy to be a rotational piece. Bo Bresky could be. Um, you've got some young arms coming up. Uh, Reese Olson is one of them. Ty yeah. Madden out of Texas is another one that's been throwing well. And obviously Jackson Job is a couple years away, not next year. Um, you know, maybe the end of the year after. But yeah, I like my thing is, I guess I add a starter or two in free agency, but I also look to fill the gaps here and I can't have Jonathan Scope running out there for me. No, and Olsen's a dog, by the way. I love him. Oh, he's sick, dude. So good. I guess, you know, it comes back to the pitching development there, and they trust it. They really believe in that pitching development system. I don't know know why, though, because it hasn't really worked, aside from Scoogle. That's what what I was going to say is, now, what I've always heard is the first thing they do when they get to the big leagues is they just teach them to throw strikes, and they really don't care about much else. Throw (laughs) strikes, once you can factor in – the ability to throw strikes, we work off of that. Interesting, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> but that that's what they do, apparently. Um, there's enough intrigue with this team that I'm not saying 2023 is going to be disaster. However, I do kind of feel that way with Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City, do you think disaster? Um, we'll talk about the negative, and then we'll wrap with uh, Vinny P coming up. Yeah, um, there's a lot of negative. Now they're going to be intriguing to an extent because you have a few young, young prospects, including Bobby Witt. Um, there's, there's just not much else. I mean, R- Riviera. Rivera. His, yeah. R- okay. Rivera last night. I remember watching the game last night. This guy made like two bonehead errors. And I was just thinking there, thinking like, this is a 26, 27 year old third baseman. Like if I'm a Royals fan, like there just has to be more, to put on this field that I can be excited about. Now they moved Carlos Santana, which is one less eyesore for the fans, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'm really worried about Kansas City going forward. They have not shown that they can develop pitching well enough, even though Daniel Lynch, I think, has looked pretty decent. Um, looked fine. Fine. Yeah, decent, yeah. Um, the rest have been in a disaster. There are so many holes, and, I mean, they, they're going to have to trade players, but they only have maybe one or two players that are really that intriguing in terms of trades. I, I think you got to look at your organization in the mirror and say, okay, who sticks around, who occupies what position? Sal Perez and MJ Melendez split the catcher DH duties, right? Vinny Pasquantino is, you know, the first baseman at this point. He's DHing today. Um, Nick Prado is the first baseman when he comes up, Vinny's the DH and, you know, the, they'll figure out a way to use Vinny and Prado at short. It's Bobby Witt Jr. At second base, it's Michael Massey, who just got the call up to, to AAA. I think he's incredible. In the outfield, do you have anybody? Um, I guess well, Eric Pena. Isn't he like 19 years old, though, and far away? I don't know. Like, I, it's hard. You're going to have to look at the farm. You're going to have to look at your big league team and say, who stays put? And I really only think there are five or six guys that actually factor into a championship future right now. And they're all bats. I don't think there's a single arm that factors into a championship future. A lot of their bats that factor in are like, okay, can Nick Prado play a different position? Could he play at left field? Potentially? He can play left. I saw him play left and he was fine playing left. MJ was in right field the other day. Yeah. Is that something that they could it's force into the future? It's something that he can do. Yes. Right. Now, are they really good out there? Hell no. Michael A. Taylor is – why did they give him an extension? Like, uh, I, I don't understand that. I mean, I guess you move him for the typical, like, 24-year-old, you know, bullpen guy who's, like, okay in double A, right? I mean, that – I don't really see him bringing back much. We'll see. I think he's turned it on in recent weeks. Uh, Michael A. Taylor so far this year is hitting 276 with a 770 OPS. So he's been fine in 53 games. Um, and How it, and aspiring is your team if you're a contender getting Michael A. Taylor? I, I Maybe I'm just a hater, but I think you're I, hating I, I would a little not be bit. excited about a 9-12 OPS in 20 games in June. So wow. I think you're hating a little bit. I, um, I'm a little bit of a hater. Yeah, but positively, let's wrap on Vinny P because that guy is uh, fun. And I think guys are going to immediately fall in love with him as soon as he debuts tonight. Yeah, and he's definitely the type of guy that will at least give fans something to come to the ballpark to watch. Not that Bobby Wood doesn't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, It's just sometimes when you've been this bad and Bobby Wood's been there the whole time, you need something to... You need something you know, new. Cleanse the palate, right? Yes. And... He, he he i guess he brings you know a lot, a lot of power from the left-handed side he can play first base I, i'm sure you you can run down the scouting report better than i can rm calls it the ty france effect and that's exactly what he is he's he's a 300 hitter with um great bad like he doesn't strike out he walks more than he strikes out he's got a little bit more power than carlos santana at this point and he can play a fine first base he's just a good hitter yeah and th they need a lot of those. And yeah. that's one less that they need now. There we go. All right. That's Clay. I'm Jack. Kendall and T. AL West tomorrow. This was the AL Central. We're going to keep on going, man.